For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. From Meat Eaters World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review with Ryan Cal Callahan. Now, Here's Cal. Strange seeds from China, Uzbekistan, and other origins are invading the U.S. Hundreds of households across the country have been getting unmarked seed packages in the mail, and those numbers are expected to grow. Reasons why these seed packets have sprouted in people's mailboxes range from a terrorist plot to spread noxious weeds or invasive bugs that would be a blight on our nation's agriculture. Or possibly something called a brushing scam, which is when a company sends unsolicited products to people and then they generate reviews on their behalf. Either way, state officials are urging those that have received these mysterious seeds to keep them in a sealed bag and call your local Department of Agriculture. Whatever you do, do not plant them or throw them away in a fashion that could allow the seeds to spread. If you've uh, had your head buried in the potting soil and are coming to this thorny situation late, and maybe you've already planted these mystery seeds, please heed the advice of the Louisiana Department of Agriculture, which is, as soon as they come up, I recommend those plants be killed. Use some type of herbicide. Spray them. And if anything comes back, spray it. Do not let those plants grow. The risk is too great. Sounds serious to me. If you get unsolicited seeds in the mail, please do the right thing and notify your Department of Agriculture. Prevention is an easier solution than herbicide. Let's hope the Department of Ag gets to the root of this issue quick. This week, we've got pebble mine, whooping cranes, and access. But first, I'm going to tell you about my week. I know everyone loves hearing about my steel chainsaws, 
particularly those battery-powered saws that are clean, quiet, powerful, and dependable. Well, starting Monday, August 10th, you will have one heck of an opportunity in front of you only at TheMeatEater.com. We are having a fundraising access-providing auction. I have personally assembled my MSA-220C battery-powered saw. My good friends at Steel are providing a full kit of personal protective equipment, including chaps, gloves, helmet system, glasses, and a duffel bag to hold everything. They may even throw a couple other things in there. But wait, there's more. You could get it for half price because this is an auction. But, you know, you should pay beyond full price because this is a fundraiser for access, all right? But wait, there's still more. I am also throwing in an original Benchmade Altitude knife that has brought me a ton of luck in the mountains and a personal copy of a must-have conservation book, an entirely synthetic fish. And to top it all off... My beloved public land owner backcountry hunters and anglers t-shirt. I will even write a nice note on the bar of the chainsaw just for you. We're auctioning off Stephen Ranella's rifle and a coos deer mount that he got with that rifle. Giannis Patelis is throwing in the backpack right off of his back, his lucky hunting cap, and a couple other items. And for those of you who want to support land access in a big way and get something truly unique... We are auctioning off Das Boat, the original boat from season one of our Das Boat YouTube series. Whoa. All proceeds are going to the purchase of the Shiloh Pond property in Maine to provide more hunting and fishing for America. If you don't want stuff and you want to contribute, please go to High Peaks Alliance and donate to them directly. Help us help you get this done. It's a really good thing. The main project is incredibly cool. And as I've said right here on this show before, 94% of Maine's forest ground is privately held. 90% of the entire state is private. They have currently a system of de facto public access on non-posted private ground. But, you know, times are changing. And a lot of that stuff is uh, starting to get posted. So it's critical for folks who enjoy getting outside, being in the out of doors, as I like to say, that we start identifying these chunks of ground and getting them into a truly public circumstance. Next up, we're going to take a quick stop at the correction desk. Uh, It's a tough one for me. We're going to correct the pronunciation of uh, John Muir's name. Last week, I mentioned the Sierra Club and their uh, attempt to address the faults of its founder, John Muir. Muir is how we pronounce it in Montana, all right? Phil's going to help me out with this one. Muir. 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 John Muir. John Muir. 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 I'm sorry, are you saying it how? Muir. Saying it, Muir. John Muir. John Muir. John Muir. John Moore. Moore. Muir. He's hopeless, Jess. Come on. It's happy hour at the poorhouse and wings are on me. Yeah, I think I nailed it on that last one. Uh, moving on. Heading north to Alaska. 
our AK desk if we want to get hip. This one courtesy of Sam Lundgren. On July 24th, the Trump administration's Army Corps of Engineers released its final environmental impact statement regarding the Pebble Mine, setting the massive Southwest Alaska Copper and Gold Project on track to receive the permits needed to break ground, perhaps within the month. Hunters, anglers, commercial fishermen, and area tribes have fiercely opposed the project for decades. But yesterday, that chorus gained a loud and influential voice, the president's eldest son. Responding to a tweet from Nick Ayers, former chief of staff to Vice President Mike Pence, Donald Trump Jr. tweeted, As a sportsman who has spent plenty of time in the area, I agree 100%. The headwaters of Bristol Bay and the surrounding fisheries are too unique and fragile to take any chances with hashtag Pebble Mine. Don Jr. is just one of millions of visitors to Bristol Bay, but the only one who can call the president dad. So this is a really good deal. Got a guy on the inside, so to speak. The Trump administration is still deciding whether to issue the critical Clean Water Act permit and could do so this month unless the commander-in-chief decides to intercede. The last time a scientific review process was completed was in 2013. The administration began the process of severely restricting the project due to grave concerns about the possible impacts the project would have, mainly on water quality and fisheries in the region. The Trump administration did away with those findings and began anew. The latest analysis found that under normal conditions, the mine would not be expected to have a measurable effect on fish numbers and result in long-term changes to the health of the commercial fisheries in Bristol Bay. Now, you tell me which part of that statement is scarier. The fact that with one administration, the review says that this is not okay. The next administration, an analysis says, oh no, it's totally okay. Why is there never any middle ground? But to back up a bit, I do think the scariest part of that last statement is normal conditions. If you have ever spent any amount of time in Alaska, what's considered normal is sometimes scarily subjective and always a very broad definition. For example, I once climbed in the backseat of a Super Cub on a very blustery day to look down and see a bottle of peppermint schnapps sticking out of the back of the pilot's seat. When I notioned in the direction of the bottle to the friend sitting next to me who happens to be an Alaskan resident, his face seemed to say, hey, that's normal. Friends and neighbors, that's not normal. The pebble deposit, estimated to be one of the largest gold and copper loads on earth, sits on a high saddle dividing upper Telerik Creek from the south fork of the Cuctuli River. The Telerik described me as a sexy sexy big rainbow stream drains into the massive Lake Iliamna. Lake Iliamna feeds the Quijack River and finally Bristol Bay. The Cooktuli drains into the Mulchatna, a major tributary of the Nushigak. The Nush and the Kwe, that's the hip way of saying Nushigak and Quijack, produce the majority of the Bristol Bay sockeye run, the largest and most valuable wild salmon fishery on the planet generating a $1.5 billion sustainable economy and 14,000 good jobs every year. The proposed mine would carve a one-mile-wide, one-third-mile-deep hole 
in this wilderness landscape, according to Mike Heatwall, a spokesman for Pebble. The project would require building a gas pipeline all the way across Cook Inlet, a new port adjacent to Katmai National Park, an 80-mile haul road to the mine, 13 square miles of tailing ponds and facilities at the mine, and a 270-megawatt power plant, all in order to extract 70 million tons of rock every year. Even if the mine's tailing ponds never leak their toxic slurry, which, in this seismically active area, many believe is an absolute certainty, the development and road building would destroy the wild character of the Bristol Bay region and disturb and displace much of its wildlife. The commercial fishing community aren't the only ones who stand to suffer should this fishery collapse. Several native tribes also depend on subsistence harvests of all five species of salmon. Outside of salmon, just the short list here, there's Dolly Varden, pike, grayling, lake trout, halibut, and some of the world's largest native rainbow trout. Not to mention moose, caribou, brown bears, wolves, wolverines. I'm saying this region's got a lot to offer. Trout Unlimited and many other conservation groups have been aggressively petitioning the White House and other politicians about Pebble. On May 20th, they delivered a letter to President Trump signed by 250 outdoors businesses and groups and more than 30,000 hunters and anglers, begging him to deny the Clean Water Act permit. Alaska Governor Mike Dunleavy said that his state will also provide a thorough analysis of the mine proposal, although he has expressed his support for the mine in the past. Both of Alaska's U.S. Senators, Murkowski and Sullivan, have said they are reviewing the environmental impact statement document to see whether it meets the high bar of scientific rigor and offers adequate protection for Bristol Bay. Neither has outright condemned the mine in the past. Meat Eater, our business, is just one of the outdoors businesses asking President Trump to deny the Pebble Partnership's permits. Stephen Ranella, my friend, the company founder and leader, recently recorded a podcast with Donald Trump Jr. He said decisions important as this one should transcend economic and political concerns. And this is a quote here. The fact that folks from such a wide variety of backgrounds and political persuasions are speaking out together against the pebble mine gives me hope. And not just hope that will finally defeat the mine, but hope that partisanship does have its limits and that certain ideals are more important than party affiliations. Lately, I've been pondering a theory or concept that I'm going to call environmental nationalism. We have a patriotic duty to protect our nation. Guarding her natural ecosystems is a major part of that. End quote. If you want your voice heard on this matter, one way to do so is by visiting SaveBristolBay.org. Once you're done there, go ahead and let your elected officials know how you feel and that they should also be urging the president to intervene on this one. For more information, please go to TheMeatEater.com and read this fine bit of journalism by Sam Lundgren in its entirety. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were onto something. 
because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and Soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. I guarantee you've listened to them because I use it, you know, regularly. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. Moving over to the ever-popular law enforcement desk, a man named Constantine and an unnamed youth shot a pair of whooping cranes in Acadia Parish, Louisiana, May of 2016. Acadia Parish is just west of Lafayette, Louisiana. If Acadia Parish sounds familiar to you, it is probably because Acadia is home to the third best-selling Cajun record artist of all time, Sidney Brown. His album, Noir Chasse, Two-Step, Pestache, Tant, Na, Na, well, I don't have to tell you, is kind of a big deal. Guarantee ya, I got the pronunciation right on that one. Why I do this to myself is, you know, because I love you people. Anyway, Constantine, after adamantly denying his involvement in the killing of the cranes, eventually confessed in 2018. The judge, just last Thursday, handed down an impressive penalty of a $10,000 fine plus an additional $75,000 in restitution to Louisiana Wildlife and Fish. Ouch. Five years probation and a suspension of hunting and fishing privileges until 360 hours of community service have been completed. For the facts of the case, according to the Department of Justice... May 20, 2016, Constantine and a juvenile using 22 caliber rifles shot at a pair of whooping cranes located in a field within Acadia Parish, Louisiana. 
One of the cranes, identified as L-515, fell dead in the field, and Constantine and his accomplice retrieved its carcass. The other crane, identified as L-315, flew too far north into another field so that it could not be retrieved, but investigators later recovered its carcass. After retrieving L-515's carcass, the pair noticed that it had transponders on its legs and received information that the bird was a whooping crane. I do want to interject real quick here for my non-hunting audience. No, it is not considered normal, reasonable, or ethical to shoot at an animal first and then identify it later. Moving on. Constantine and the juvenile transported the carcass to the juvenile's residence, where they severed the legs from L515's carcass and removed the transponders. They then transported the knife, carcass, severed legs, and transponders along a nearby road and discarded the evidence. You heard it right. They threw away the most expensive meal they are ever going to have a chance to eat. The last person convicted of killing a whooping crane prior to Constantine in Louisiana was in 2014. That person was sentenced to a $2,500 fine and 45 days in jail. Again, according to the Department of Justice... Lane Thomas Thibodeau was charged with one count of taking a migratory bird for which there is no season, one count of taking migratory game birds during closed season, one count of taking migratory game birds from a motor vehicle, as in he shot from a vehicle, one count of wanton waste of migratory game birds, as in he didn't eat the birds, and one count of taking game birds without state hunting license. According to the guilty plea, Thibodeau shot at a group of birds on November 2, 2014, near Crawfish Pond in Vermilion Parish. The shot crippled a whooping crane, which is protected under the Endangered Species Act. Thibodeau admitted to shooting and killing multiple ducks from the driver's seat of a moving vehicle on a public road during the closed season. Thibodeau did not retrieve the ducks' carcasses from the field, and he did not possess the required Louisiana hunting license. To step in here again... A state hunting license in probably everywhere except for Texas does not give you the ability to shoot animals from a moving vehicle and leave them to lay. A couple more things we should break down in regards to these sentences is a uh, sentence of 45 days in jail and $2,500 versus a sentence of zero jail time and an $85,000 fine plus a bunch of community service you know, might pencil out for some people's tax brackets. Might be better to spend time in the clink versus paying that out, or it may uh, be nothing to you to pay $85,000. So I do want to point out that the median household income in Vermilion Parish is only about $34,000 a year. It's about $32,000 in Acadia Parish. Those are household incomes, not individual incomes. My mentioning of the earnings as additional context is in relation to the weight of the fines not in any way a justification of the killing of the wildlife, just to say. And the other thing I should mention here, and I can't believe I haven't yet, is whooping cranes, if you don't know, are giant, awesome dinosaur birds that stand about five feet tall and stretch their wings to about seven and a half feet in width. They also have a wide diet that can include small mammals, crustaceans, small birds, reptiles, and amphibians, as well as what we would consider the normal bird fare of grains and vertebrates and seeds. Some do speculate that the whooping crane actually ingests more animal protein than the other crane species. 
In fact, one wintering location in Aransas, Texas, noted that the crane's primary food source were blue crabs. Now, although the whooping crane is, again, a very big bird, whooping crane numbers likely were never very big. When it comes to birds, we tend to think of them flying at some point in the millions. But unless that happened prior to uh, European contact here in North America, the whooping crane's historic population at its height was only about 10,000 birds. These cranes were reduced through the usual method of overharvest and habitat destruction to only about 15 wild birds. Even now, where we sit at the height of whooping crane recovery, the entire population is only 800 or so birds. And that 800 number is the entire living population, as in a mix of captive and wild birds. In order to grow these crane numbers from 15 individuals to 800, it has taken serious, slow work. Conservation efforts around the crane started back in the late 1930s. Independent groups, zoos, state and federal agencies have tried hand-rearing chicks, in vitro fertilization, teaching migration by having juvenile cranes, follow ultralight aircraft that have been dressed up like cranes, humans dressed as cranes, trying to act as surrogate parents. They've reestablished migratory populations. They've reestablished non-migratory populations. And despite all of this effort, time, and money, the crane population continues to grow very, very slowly. And there are a bunch of years in there where it didn't grow at all. All this to say, the restoration of whooping cranes is very hands-on and very expensive. According to the International Crane Foundation, it can cost around $100,000 to raise, release, and monitor one crane. Part of the reason for the difference in penalties is the transportation factor. One of my most hated wildlife crimes, that of wanton waste, which is leaving those birds dead in the field, does not violate the Lacey Act. But, like our pair did with the hefty fine, Going out and retrieving a bird constitutes transporting of an endangered species, which does violate the Lacey Act. What you think about that, it's a little twisted. Shooting and leaving a bird gets you less of a penalty than if you shoot and retrieve what you shot. The other reason here is if you are a crane, Louisiana is a pretty dangerous place to hang out. 14 of the roughly 147 cranes that have been released in Louisiana have been consequently shot in Louisiana, which is odd when you consider that Louisiana historically had the highest population of whooping cranes in the U.S., hosting both a migratory and a non-migratory population. And I know the Cajun folks that I know are big into history. You would think Louisianans would consider these birds a bit of their culture and something to protect and be proud of. Now, I'm going to jump back to the economics here because it gets glossed over sometimes. It costs roughly $100,000 to raise a whooping crane. The average median household income in the two parishes mentioned, again, is only about, let's say, $32,000 a year. And the cranes eat a lot of the same things the people do. This doesn't justify the shooting, does not justify the waste, but it does possibly suggest that part of the crane program should be dedicated to finding ways to encourage more local investment where the cranes and the people meet. 
whoop, there it is. Hard to say that with a straight face. All right, moving on to the interacting with wildlife desk. Picture this. You're enjoying a lovely family vacation just north of the border in Ontario at the iconic North Star Village on the shore of historic Winnipeg River. During the cool mornings, you're enjoying one of Canada's best fisheries, targeting walleye, bass, northern pike, and muskie. But in the afternoons, it gets hot, and you're looking to take a dip. You confidently stride chest-deep into the water near the dock. Just another summer afternoon at the lake, right? Kim Driver is a seasonal regular at the resort and an experienced angler. She never saw it coming. On July 25th, Kim and her husband Terry were taking the aforementioned midday dip when Kim felt a sharp pain in her leg. She thought it may have been a turtle she had seen swimming nearby, but it turns out that a near 40-inch long muskie had crashed into her calf and decided to take a bite. She started flailing and punching as the fish drug her under the water. I'll say that again. The muskie drug a grown adult human underwater. When she came back up screaming, there was blood everywhere. Her calf was gashed and she had cuts on her hands from punching the fish. This was clearly no casual encounter. Kim's calf now requires plastic surgery that will take up to six weeks. Kim said, quote, I can't sleep at night. I have horrible nightmares and I wake up in a sweat screaming. It was scary. I'll bet. Muscalunge, as they're sometimes called, and as we've covered before, are ambush predators and can reach speeds of nearly 30 miles per hour in short bursts. With flat, hard heads full of ultra-sharp teeth, these apex predators shouldn't be taken lightly. That said, locals, and most biologists, insist that these attacks are extremely rare. There's still a debate over whether muskies pose a real threat to other fish and to humans. But if you're willing to have this debate, I don't think you should have it with Kim. I don't think you'd have a uh, leg to stand on. As this debate continues, where muskie are native and invasive, we should just remember that every once in a while, maybe in the lake next to you, that big trophy fish you are pursuing could decide to pursue you. That's all I've got for you this week. Thanks a bunch for listening. As you know, you can always get a hold of me at A-S-K-C-A-L. That's askcal at themeateater.com. Let me know what I'm getting right, what I'm messing up, and most importantly, what's going on with you in your neck of the woods. If you're loving what you're hearing, please tell some friends. And most importantly, get outside. Thanks a bunch. I'll talk to you next week. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.
outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. That's SeafoamWorks.com to learn more.